Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard here with you till 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check us out online everywhere. Orangefizz.net. Also on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You miss any part of the show, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts by subscribing. You'll get all the latest Fizz Radio episodes and Fizzcasts. Tim and I have got a Fizzcast coming out this week, so we'll get into a little more in-depth of some of the things we're talking about today on the show. A lot of big things happening in Syracuse. Of course, yeah. the big Georgetown game last week, so we'll get into some of that later on. We'll also look ahead to today's matchup against Old Dominion. And some Quade Green stuff, too. That's always yeah. fun to dive into. He's back on the open market. So we'll see if Syracuse necessarily makes sense in that capacity. But let's not bury the lead here. The biggest news of the week. The biggest news since Tyus Battle decided he was coming back to Syracuse, I'd Probably, say. yeah. And it is the fact that Dino Babers has been extended as the head coach at Syracuse University. And it's given some continuity into this program right now. Again, no details have been disclosed on length or, or the dollars, but at the end of the day, if I had to guess, they gave him a pretty hefty sum. Yeah, I think maybe because they're not disclosing it means there's more proof that they gave him a big amount. There's no doubt that this is a long extension, too, just from what John yeah, Wildhack said in his press the, conference. The only thing that's been disclosed is that it is well into the future. Right. Which, if you're going to say that, you've got to You might least, as well give the years. Yeah. I don't know why they're not disclosing <laughs> it. Private universities, so they can keep that in-house. It, it's going to get leaked eventually. I think we mm-hmm. all know that. So it's weird that they're just not coming out and disclosing it initially. But regardless, the big news is Dino is back, which is huge, and- We hadn't heard any rumblings that he was leaving or anything like that, but you had to imagine that he was going to start getting some calls, if not this year, but maybe next year after another good year. And the fact that you lock him down, now it's not permanent. He can still jump ship whenever any Mm -hmm. coach can do that. But making this extension is just really reassuring for a Syracuse fan base that's had some bad breaks. You know, they had Doug Marone, had a good coach in him, and he jumped ship to go to the NFL. So you get a good coach, but... Now you got to keep him. That's task number two. And after finally getting task one complete, it's great to see the university did the right thing, John Wildhack did the right thing, and extended Dino because he clearly deserves it. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. And, and it kind of helped, too, that, I mean, you bring up those coaching searches. There really wasn't going to be a huge outlet for him yeah. to go. USC kept Helton and, and a lot of these other schools. I, I couldn't see Dino Babers being a coach in the Big Ten. Yeah, well, when you think of Dino Babers, I always think Big 12. Maybe right. because of his Baylor background. Or even Pac-12, too. Right. I would say Pac-12 as well because he spent a good amount of time out on the West Coast. But you're right. There was USC was floated around, and that might have been even a little too high profile for Dino. Don't get me wrong. He's been great. 9-3, and three, great season and all that. But to make the jump from Syracuse to USC is quite a leap, especially after just three years at Syracuse and really one solid season. So... That might have been a little unrealistic, but even like sort of those middle tier programs, I don't know, a Texas Tech or something like that, they all just didn't really fall into place. And for whatever reason, there weren't as many openings this year as years past. Yeah, and I really couldn't see him 
wanting to leave for Texas yeah, Tech and try to pick right. up the shambles there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good thing to see Dino Babers here for the time being. But again, just because you sign this contract doesn't mean right. that you're necessarily in it for the long haul. And I think that it's great that Dino Babers has put his faith in Syracuse and Syracuse has done the same reciprocating, but nothing is set in stone. Yeah. And I think that's the dangerous thing that you're playing with here. It, it, you don't want to get your expectations too high. Right. But I will say the manner in which this came out and the timing of it makes me think that it was kind of in the works for a little right. bit. And it makes me think that Dino maybe even approached John Wildhack. Now, obviously, this is all just speculation. We don't have any sort of intel that says this, but maybe he approached him during the season and said, hey, like, I know we're doing well and my name's going to be out there, but I love it here. You know, I've got my family here. We're doing great here, blah, 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 and I want to stay here. So just the way it came out, like, kind of right before National Signing Day, sort of in between the bowl game, it was almost like a stage date that they picked to announce this news when there's no basketball game this week, or at least till Saturday today, and and there's kind of a lull with finals week. It just made a lot of sense to announce it now that it felt like it was pre-planned in the way that maybe Dino approached John Wildhack during the season, and that shows maybe even a little more loyalty than we thought we were getting from him. Well, when you look at it, too, again, I think the timing thing that you bring up there is very important because... Remember last signing day, Tyrone Sampson decommits on the signing day. Yeah. And now National Signing Day coming up this Wednesday for the early signing period. The timing means a lot right now because these players that are about to commit and put the pen to the paper, they're seeing their coach putting his pen to the paper right, right now. It's huge. And I, I know we've talked about this isn't a set in stone thing and he can bolt at any moment, but at the same time, he is showing faith in the university because he still had he still had like another year on his contract. I think. Yeah, I think before so. Before it was One up. One year, maybe. So the fact that he's extending before that deadline hits, you knew that th- there was going to you know that there's faith and there's some continuity in the whole process, and and that's got to feel good as a recruit knowing that the guy who came into your home and met your family and, and talked to you into coming to Syracuse is going to be the guy on the sidelines for you during your four years at Syracuse. And yeah. There's again, you look at this the start of this recruiting class, you're seeing a lot more elite prospects in the in the class of 2020, 2021, 2022 Absolutely. starting to look at Syracuse as a, a plausible option. Yeah, it feels like they're just sort of striking while the while the iron is hot if you're Syracuse by announcing this decision this year You've got all this great momentum from the great season. You're in between a time period now where you're about to go play a big bowl game, biggest bowl game in a while against a West Virginia team with a lot of history and everything like that. So you're sort of like throwing your chips in the middle right now and saying, all right, we've got all this momentum. Let's use that momentum. Let's harness it and take advantage of this momentum and start getting some of these recruits because that's the biggest thing with recruits. Why do recruits decommit? because a coach leaves? Why do recruits ultimately choose Syracuse over a Wake Forest or a BC or another ACC school or any other school for that matter? It's mostly because of the coaching staff. Maybe if you're a defensive tackle, you like a defensive tackles coach or whatnot, but the head coach is obviously huge. So with that in mind, to sort of throw your chips in the middle at this time makes so much sense. I think it was a great decision by the university to do it this year rather than wait till next year. And I don't know if Really, that was ever in the cards or whatnot, but it would have been a miss to wait any longer. Doing it now makes perfect sense, and you're taking advantage of that momentum. 
You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard. Check us out online, orangefizz.net. Also on Twitter, at orangefizz. You can tweet us all your questions, and we'll get to them throughout the week. We'll also get to our Fizz feedback responses from earlier in the week. Got a lot of them. So uh, mostly stuff that's related to basketball, but also a little bit of sprinkling of some football stuff in there. Anyway, let's get back to this whole Dino Baber situation. So... Again, no details have been released on length or or the dollar figures on it behind it, but both you and I, Tim, have an inkling there's a lot of money being invested into Dino Babers because, again, there can be some very major jobs that could open up potentially in these next couple of years. I mean, I think a, a a good thing to look at right now is look at what Lincoln Riley has done. Yeah. There's a chance he leaves well, yeah, for I think a bigger name's... job or even the NFL. Right, NFL is going to NFL say. is certainly the one that, that's drawn a lot of ire right now. Is that a job that Dino Babers could eventually bolt to? And, and the fact that you're locking him up now, now it's not saying that he can't go and go to Oklahoma, but is Oklahoma really going to want to pony up that much to try to match something like Syracuse? Because, again, John Wildhack said we did our homework in the offseason and we've done our homework uh, on getting this deal done. Doing your homework had to entail looking at some of the other big jobs that are either available at the time or could be available in the next year or two when you could see him potentially going off for a bigger school or a bigger job. Yeah. At this point, I think the the job that uh, that John Wildhack, he knows he's got a gem of a coach in Babers in terms Absolutely. of what he's doing on the recruiting front and, and what he's putting out there on the field every single Saturday. And for that reason alone, I think they had to be giving him enough money where the only thing that could maybe turn him away from staying with the Orange would have been the NFL. Not necessarily even a head coach, yeah. but you're looking at like an OC role. Yeah, I mean, they they pulled up the Brinks truck. There's no doubt about it. And I don't really care too much what the sum of money is. That's how confident I think this entire fan base should be in right. Dino Babers at this time. You look at... BC just signed uh, Steve Adazio to an extension as well. Mm -hmm. And the mood around the BC program is a little bit different right now because Dino Babers has more of a higher reputation than a lot of these other ACC coaches. I mean, what coach would you rather have right now in the ACC besides Dino Babers? Maybe Maybe Dabo Dabo. Sweeney? Dabo's got to be probably the only one. Right. And, And even going off of that, what team would you rather trade places with in the ACC than Syracuse outside of Clemson? Where it would be worth it. Yeah. Right. I mean, Florida State's not doing well. We Mm -hmm. know that. The the big programs are FSU, Miami, VT, and Clemson. But the Mm -hmm. three outside of Clemson that I didn't mention or that I mentioned there are all kind of down. They're kind of struggling. And then you've got other programs that are on the rise that maybe don't have the historic appeal of Syracuse and a lot of that aspect. So. Syracuse is in a great spot right now. They need to shore up Geno Babers. They did it. It's a massive win for the program, and it just solidifies the future and really gives us more of a guarantee that Dino Babers does have that loyalty. He could still bolt, but I think the fact that he signed this contract extension when he does makes me way way more confident that he's going to stay for a longer time. So our advice to Orange fans, be happy. Dino is seemingly in here for the yeah. long haul, but again— Nothing set in stone. Nothing is set in stone. 
in this college coaching world. All right, coming up next, we'll get to some basketball thoughts, including Tyus Battles' game winner against Georgetown. Did it revive the rivalry? And also, we'll get to some more stuff going on around the conference as well. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Welcome back, Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard here with you for another 45 minutes on this Saturday morning. Cuse and Old Dominion coming up later on today. We'll have all that coverage for you live on Orange Fizz on our Twitter account at Orange Fizz and all the post-game wrap-up on our website at orangefizz.net. So Syracuse coming off a big game in which it took down Georgetown 72-71 year final. And let's just say it didn't have the same feeling of a rivalry game. It, there was certainly a, a lot to be desired yeah. in terms of the rivalry aspect. Although I will say... As someone who thinks the rivalry is dead, <laughs> I think there's one player who could revive it. I know. And his name is going. Mac McClung. Yeah. Because he went out there, had the game of his life, didn't really play at all in the second half. Yeah, he played eight minutes in the second half. Um, it was really weird. Had 18 points to lead the team. Or he didn't lead the team, actually. Jesse Govan led the team. Yeah, but he was really good. McClung had 18 points in this one. And again, like, just look at him. It's like the classic Duke player right there. Yeah. He's where awesome. he's just. A super punchable guy. I kind of <laughs> like him though. Like you're in I don't know. I know he's the internet sensation and all that well, stuff, but I mean, originally I was like, this guy's a hoax. Like just because <laughs> he can dunk doesn't mean that he's like gonna be some D1 star. He's gonna come in as a freshman and struggle, but he's been good. I mean, that was legit stuff what he did in that first half. Now, granted, Syracuse was playing awful in that first half. I mean, one of the worst halves I've seen from SU basketball and three, four years, I feel like. That was literally a train yeah. wreck. And they mm-hmm. bounced back, and both teams played at a high level in the second half. So it was fun to see. The Dome did get loud. You say the rivalry's dead. It wasn't the size or the volume of the crowd that you'd like to see for a Georgetown-Syracuse game. About 25. Yeah, it was like or 24, a little over 24, 25. 24, I will say, though, it felt like more in there. And, and I know that's like the classic take, you know, <laughs> the Dome gets loud. We get it. But it, it was rocking. And... It had somewhat of a rivalry feel, just the way it kind of went back and forth, and that was a huge moment of the season that Tyus Battle makes that shot, because if he misses, you know, everything feels great right now. They're back in the top 25, everything's rosy, looks like they're playing up to the standard they were supposed to at the start of the season. If he misses that shot, I mean... You're talking about bubble. You're thinking bubble again. Everything hits the fan. It just does not look as appealing. Going into Old Dominion, it's like, wow, hit the reset button. They've already got three losses in the non-conference. They lose at home. I mean, Georgetown's not as good as them, but they played great in the second half. They came back. Tyus did hit that shot, and that said a lot about the team and their mental wherewithal to come back. The the thing about it, too, is, I mean, I mean, this is a Syracuse team that entered this game as, what, an 11-, 12-point favorite? Yeah, which and seemed way too high. It, it did, but at the same time, you're playing at home, and you got to think this is this is not a good Georgetown team. Sure, the record reads seven and two right now. Yeah, but that is not a true indicator anyone, of like normal. What, right? Yeah, and it's the same thing that happened last year with Georgetown too, where they hadn't played anyone going into Syracuse, and that's why they look like a much more appealing team than they really are. So you see all that, but then Tyus Battle hits the shot. Although I want to bring this up, and I tweeted this out from our account. He hits the shot oh, in the right. face of Jagan Mosley, the guy who Tyus Battle, once upon a time, tweeted out a picture of Jagan Mosley and said, everyone go follow Jagan Mosley, plays for Georgetown, my boy, like all that stuff. And I just 
kind of felt that was really poetic to yeah. see him just splash right in his face to to pick up a win in in this old series. So, yeah, I mean, you talk about you can't write it any better, right? You talk about is, is the rivalry dead? That is kind of an indication though that he was tweeting <laughs> and promoting a Georgetown player. But right. it was also cool to see him like just sort of Mamba mentality mm-hmm. step up and make that shot. So again, it, we're looking at a lot of the same things that we've seen throughout the season. Tyus Battle has a, a heck of a game and really just dominates that entire second half against the Hoyas. I've never seen a team go from so putrid in the first half to flip the switch immediately, and a lot of that was the crowd. It's the classic second-half blitz by the better team. Syracuse, just 22 points in the first half, 50 in the second half. That's wild. That's a a tale of two halves. And let's not exonerate one man in particular. Patrick Ewing was not on his A game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've seen the, the gifts going around the internet now of him like sticking his thumb down. Right, and everyone's like, "Oh, like this is an, like how Georgetown has played this year, just the thumbs down." And just call one time just, out, Patrick. I mean, he did it last year too, where he right. was just awful, and he tried to out Beheim Beheim last year, where he remember last year he dropped into the two three zone. Yeah, that's and never just tried to, to. He tries to out Beheim Beheim, and that's just not going to end well when I mean, Beheim is coaching against a, a much lesser version of a guy who's trying to emulate him. Right. I just like. It's not that hard. Cut a timeout. Like I, I was almost just baffled, like on the sideline watching that game because he's, they're just getting boat race. Like Syracuse has completely taken over momentum. They're hitting everything. They're getting all these steals, turnovers. The crowd's going nuts. Like there were two or three times where I was like, okay, that's it. Like that's your, you know, that three will co- go to the timeout. But for whatever reason in college basketball. A lot of these coaches just don't like calling timeouts. They're just like, no, I'll let the kids play. Like in the NBA, I guess it's more volatile and there's more runs, so that plays into it. But you feel anytime there's like an 8-0 run in the NBA, you just know a timeout's right. coming. You're like, yeah. oh, that's the th- – like here he goes. They're cutting mm-hmm. one. And it's so predictable. In college basketball, like Roy Williams hates calling timeouts. And it's – he's a good coach. Like don't get me wrong. That's even though, his philosophy. Even if he doesn't say it. <laughs> right. But – I don't know. Patrick Ewing, back-to-back years now. I guess he's done a good job with this Georgetown program. I mean, they haven't had a ton of talent. They, you know, he got in a bad situation. But there was all these rumblings about why, you know, NBA teams didn't want to take Patrick Ewing as a head coach, and they didn't think he was ready. I'm starting to believe that based on his in-game coaching at times. Right. Because it is not Just call a timeout, man. I mean, that was a gift for Syracuse. I mean, you look at... Uh, again, there's Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing. They got to be the two highest profile in terms of guys who played the game, not just right. in college basketball, but in all of basketball. He's going to draw in recruits and all that. Uh, that that's the lure right there. But the in-game I coaching, guess Danny Manning, Wake Danny Forest. Manning as well. Yeah, that, that's another. But good he one. didn't play at Wake Forest, which is right. kind of weird. He was a Kansas guy. But mm-hmm. you look at all these, all these guys, and it usually doesn't end well. Yeah. I mean, look Danny at what Manning's happened with not working out look at what all. happened with Jason Kidd. Is yeah. he still coaching the Bucks? I don't even know. No, he's not. Right. He's uh, I don't even know where he is. I don't know. But what that he's doing. like that was a failed experiment. Yeah. And that's a guy who you thought would be a good coach. I don't think people thought guys like Chris Mullen or, or Patrick yeah. Ewing or Danny Manning would be good coaches. Well, Jason Kidd was like a players coach when he right. played, and he, I mean, he started coaching the Nets right when he retired, mm-hmm. and he was like younger than KG and Pierce and some of the players on the team. So that was weird. He was always destined to be a coach. But going back to Ewing, we touched on the Mac McClung thing. 
why not play the guy who was red hot in the first half? I mean, he really put them ahead in the first half. Matt McClung led all scorers in the game with 13. That was more than double any other player on Syracuse. In, in the first half, that In the is, first right. half, yes. Yeah, so he, he plays great in the first half. He has 13 points. He's hitting threes. He's driving. He's doing everything for the team. I mean, no one could make a shot but Matt McClung in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then he plays eight minutes in the second half. It wasn't even foul trouble. I guess the logic, and I didn't see if someone asked Ewing this post game, but I guess the logic was Pascal was in foul trouble. They were going small, so they probably wanted to just take advantage of the opportunity to have that size advantage. I mean, they did out-rebound Syracuse, but clearly McClung's scoring could have been there. And Georgetown did score the ball well in the second half. It just was puzzling to me that he only played eight minutes. A classic, a classic Ewing moment. Yeah. Ewing's theory, man. They're better without him. (laughs) So uh, you're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard, got you till 10 o'clock this morning talking some Syracuse-Georgetown. We'll get to more of the uh, Old Dominion thoughts of what's going on later today in just a little bit. But let's get back to the Syracuse side of things. Again, uh, as much as we want to pump the tires of Tyus Battle, and rightfully so, there are other players on this team that are worth mentioning right now. Um, I want to start with... First, someone who I thought was really good in this game and someone who, I mean, you know, I'm just going to say right now, Frank Howard has been a a train wreck. Yeah, he's been awful. He's been... I get he's hurt. Very underwhelming. He's not getting into the lane. And just, I don't understand the fouling. I mean, he fouled out and he played 17 minutes. That's really hard to do. He fouled out against Ohio State. Granted, he played, I believe, 32 minutes against Ohio State. But... yeah. You're playing at the at that top of the zone against guards that were not very aggressive. Right. And you didn't have to to reach and, and shove. And you're the bigger guy. Look, if Frank does not play like the Frank Howard we know he is and we know he's capable of against Old Dominion today, then I'm concerned because he's had a full week to practice. And I get the excuse all along and leading up to this Georgetown game, it's been he just hasn't been playing enough. And, I I mean, I started playing basketball pickup again for the first time in, like, three months, and I was awful. Like, I couldn't even – I didn't know what I was doing I don't there. know if that was the rust or – Yeah, just... I mean, I'm terrible in general. <laughs> but thanks for just burying me. But, Sorry. And, I, I mean, I was even worse than normal because you're just, like, getting acclimated to it again. Mm-hmm. I get it. Basketball is not something you can just pick up at the drop of a hat. But he is Frank Howard. He's talented. He's been doing this all his life. And I'd imagine he was still – you know, thinking about the game and all that during his downtime with the injury. And it's now been, what, four or five games? Five games right. since he's been back? Mm-hmm. Like, if he's if he's not right against well, Old know. Dominion, that's concerning. And you've heard Jim Beheim pretty much say he's got a week. Yeah. He's got a week to figure it out because Jalen right. Carey, I think, has looked very good this year. Yeah. And maybe the numbers don't show it, but the composure out there only had three points. It was, it was that crazy yeah. turnaround three-pointer that he had. Honestly, but he Carey does was... He was a little shaky in the, in the Georgetown He game. was a little bit. He had the three turnovers, but he did have four assists. Right. However, I want to bring up this point about Jalen's turnovers, and it's the fact that they're aggressive turnovers most of the yeah. time. They're not they careless ones. And right. it's it's him going to the basket and attacking and then getting stripped. That's the turnover he's forcing. Meanwhile, Frank Howard, the turnovers haven't been nearly up there as much, but at the same time, he has posed zero threat of attacking at yeah. any point in any game he's played so far this season he's looked awful I mean you really can't sugarcoat it and you know we overreacted maybe a little Tyus battle he's back to his normal self I would be pretty surprised if Frank Howard doesn't have a good game today it just feels like this is where he gets back to his 
Frank Howard's self that we saw last year, and he plays like that senior point guard we know he can be, but carries look good, and if it continues, and if we're having this discussion before Notre Dame, the ACC opener, why not put Carey as their starting point guard? I mean, he's proven at MSG. He can play at he that level. He played on a big level. Yeah. He has. Quickly, before we go and talk about another point guard that probably won't join the Orange, but we'll talk about yeah. him in a little bit. Elijah Hughes, I thought, was very good. Yes. And this is another guy who, again, he was like battle. In the first half, he was not good at all. But in the second half, he really came alive, shot 50% from the field, played every single minute of that second half, 11 points. And he's seemingly been one of those guys this year. I mean, you think about it against Ohio State, certainly in this game as well, where maybe he's overshadowed a little bit by a bigger performer. But Syracuse is not winning a lot of these games without Elijah no. Hughes catching fire at times. He was great in this game. He was great against Ohio State. He's had a couple good games against, uh, I believe, UConn and Oregon. Yeah. He looked good as well. He kind of provided a fire that made you think, oh, Syracuse is still in this game. And he kind of holds you over until a guy like Tyus Battle steps up and then just takes over and does the rest. Yeah, it's weird because of all the guys this season – when you think about consistency and just, like, confidence watching someone when he has the ball, I feel like Hughes has been consistently, like, making the right play more than Battle and Brissett. And I never would have thought that been possible. Like, he has been the most trustworthy Syracuse basketball player this year. He did have a bad game against Cornell, I guess. But even when he was struggling against Georgetown the first half, he just felt like he was playing with more confidence than Battle and Brissett. Battle and Brissett have gone really cold at times this year. He's gone like a little bit cold, but he's also been very consistent, really, mostly throughout. And he was great from beyond the arc in that game. All right, coming up, we'll get to a preview of Old Dominion, that game coming on later today. And also, former Syracuse five star target is back on the market. What are the chances he goes orange? That and more, you're listening to. All right, we're back. Fizz Radio, score 1260. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard here with you till 10 o'clock this morning. Just wrapped up some some Georgetown thoughts about this team. And and also we talked about some Dino Baber stuff earlier on the show. And if you missed any of that, check us out on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Subscribe to us, rate five stars. You'll get all the latest episodes and anything you missed, as well as some FizzCast as well. So Let's get into it right now. Syracuse taking on Old Dominion later on today. We'll have you covered at Orange Fizz on Twitter and orangefizz.net. And Old Dominion, not that bad. They're actually decent. <laughs> they're a good defensive team. I mean, look, they're like 88 in Ken Palm right now. This should be a win if you're Syracuse. But the way SU played on offense in the first half against Georgetown, if Old Dominion's defense is kind of humming – They've got a lot of dudes that are, like, really athletic, good, physical. I mean, they've got two seven-footers. They've got size to compete with Syracuse. So this is a good defensive team. Their best offensive player is B.J. Stith, who was a Virginia transfer. Came out mm-hmm. of Oak Hill. His dad, I remember him, yeah. Yeah, his dad um, is one of the coaches, assistant coaches for Old Dominion, and was, like, one of the top scorers in Old Dominion college history, or Virginia college history, rather. So Stith is kind of their go-to guy. He scored like 20-plus in the last five games. He's basically their tiest battle. They've, they're coming in winning five games in a row. So this is going to be maybe a little closer than people are anticipating, just because I think it will be kind of an offensive struggle to defensive-minded teams, but it should be a win. That game coming up at noon today. And for me, I just want to see out of Syracuse, 
I mean, Frank Howard, this is your your tryout. Yeah. Because Come on, you man. you can't <laughs> have six straight bad games. I don't think right. anyone can look at his game log and objectively say, oh, that, that was an all right Frank Howard game. No. Because it has not looked like that so far. And this needs to be the time where you prove yourself, even though Old Dominion may be a little bit better than, than people think. And, and a lot of the non-conference games that Syracuse has played have been against teams that are a little better than people think. Yeah. I mean, you look at Northeastern, they're projected to win their conference. And Georgetown's at least a Power 5 type team. So you're at least playing against some similar level athletes, and Ohio State is a top. Right. What? I mean, they were number one in the country. They were number one in the country (laughs) at one point per the net. But, um, yeah, no, I I just think that this has to be Frank Howard's game where he comes out and just show me something that you can get in the paint. It's not even that he's not finishing in the paint. It's he's not getting in the paint. No, he's not attacking. He's not asserting himself into the game. His jumper looks flat. Like, Everything's looked bad. We just want him to get in double figures. Like It shouldn't be a tall ask when you're playing against Old Dominion. And I think the grace period has worn off now, especially when you factor in he's had a full week of practice. Like He should be ready to go for this game, and he should be putting up 10, at least 10 points. I'd like to see like 15 because he's due for a solid game, solid shooting game, and just a game where he looks like He's out there dictating the tempo and everything, doing what he's supposed to do as a point guard. He just hasn't brought it. You want to know how you know Frank Howard's not attacking? He has not shot a free throw yet this year in five Holy games. Holy cow. I, I just I just pulled up his game log. He has not attempted a free throw so far this season. Wow. You know Pascal Chukwu has not had an assist all season? <laughs> that's another weird stat. But I guess that's but a But th- that makes acceptable. sense. A yeah. point guard should be getting to the basket. And you'd think, too— that even at the end of games when teams need a foul, and he's the primary ball handler, and he's oh my gosh, not yeah. been fouled yet. Once that's or, well, Not that he hasn't been fouled, but he has not shot a free throw yet right. this year. And that How is crazy. How do you let that happen? If I'm Jim Beheim, I'm looking at that stat and I'm saying, give me at least four free throws in this old Dominion game. Like, get to the rim. Get to get the get line to the or get me three layups. Yeah. It's not that hard, Frank. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is hard. Don't get me wrong. I, I, don't, I can't score on... You know, people that are way around our skill level, so I shouldn't be talking. But he's better than this. We know that. He can score. He can get inside. He can facilitate more. And it's the injury thing. I get it. But the grace period is worn off, in my opinion, now. And it's time for him to bounce back in a big way. And I do think he will bounce back today. It just feels like he's due for that. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard, talking some Q's hoops, some... Old Dominion preview. Let's actually get into one of the bigger Syracuse basketball stories that kind of has nothing to do with Syracuse basketball, but has a lot to do with Syracuse yeah, basketball at the maybe. same time. So Quade Green announces his intent to transfer. This was a guy who I feel like the Syracuse they probably fan know. base, they they felt like they had Quade Green during his initial recruitment up until the 11th hour. Yeah. And at the last second, he decides to go to Kentucky and... Now the entire fan base is completely against him, and we'll we'll get to some of those thoughts and right. his feedback later on. But I just want to start out and say it doesn't look like Quad A Green's going to come. It looks like he's actually going to go join Mike Hopkins I out at Washington. Yeah. Now again, we're recording this on a Thursday, so this may already be a done deal at this point, and we just don't know. But be quick. It would be quick. It would be a quick change, but at the same time. I know there's a lot of guards on the Syracuse roster right now, but you also have to think 
that Quade Green would make a lot of sense for this team. Yeah, I mean, so he would. Five star guards don't no, just re-enter they're not the, on the market. market often. I mean, this dude has talent. Like he hasn't really panned out of Kentucky. We know that, but he could make an impact on the Syracuse team. He would be able to play, I guess, around this or second semester next year. Right. So. So right at right before it would be about this time. Right. Hypothetically, so if he were on this roster right now, he would be eligible to play in this Old Dominion game, assuming okay. it was next season. Okay. Because so, the semester would be over. All right. So hypothetically, Frank Howard will definitely be gone. He's a senior. Jalen Carr will probably still be here, assuming that nothing he doesn't crazy. go off and nothing crazy happens in terms of his NBA stock. Howard Washington is still going to be on the roster unless he transfers. Who knows? But Which is not out of the question yeah. because we have not seen Howard Washington very much this year. I believe he's only played in three games so and far. And they've been not really relevant. And he's minutes. not even playing in a lot of these garbage time games either. No. And, and that's... I mean, me, he could contribute. I think he can, too. I think he's being underutilized. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about Quade, though. Like, oh, you're talking like, about Quade. Yeah, okay. I mean, I agree with you. Howard Washington, it's Ten weird, minutes so but... far this year. He played seven against Eastern Washington, two against Oregon, one against Colgate. That's crazy. But I guess to be expected, I mean, this is a deep team already, and with the way Carey's playing, no need to go to him. But back to Quade, I just – the point is he's a five-star guy. Like – that you can doesn't call just him a vanish. traitor. You can call him whatever, but you don't get to be a five-star unless you can put the ball in the hoop, and you have a lot of talent. And Syracuse hasn't had a five-star since what? Chris McCullough? Chris I mean, McCullough in 2014. Yeah. I wrote about this earlier in the week. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a dude that brings in more talent than Tyus Battle even brings in. I know like, he wouldn't be just as good as Tyus Battle. Don't get me wrong. He hasn't quite panned out, but... It's in there somewhere, and he could fill it up for Syracuse, and he might be kind of undersized and all that, but they recruited him for a reason because he has talent originally. They saw that, and it's still there. Now, when we look at the roster next season, including some of the recruits coming in, Syracuse doesn't have a true point guard coming in. Now, granted, Syracuse doesn't really recruit true point guards. They recruit more of the combo guards to fit for size, and then you look for someone who's got a good handle, a la Frank Howard, something like that. Right. But there is no true point guard coming in in this next class. Joe Girard is a guard, and then you've got Bryson Gooding, who is a shooting guard. Yeah, I feel like Gooding is more, if anything, he's your point guard out of those two. Right. Girard, I can't see as a point guard, really. Now, bringing Quade Green right before ACC play, a five-star guy to come onto this roster, I just don't see why people would be so turned off by that. And we'll get to these responses and Fizz feedback in just a second, but why would you not want that? It it just doesn't make sense to me. Who knows? Like, we also just weren't that close to the situation. I mean, you can only be so close to a decision like this from a a high school kid at the time because it's not like Quade said, hey, I'm coming to Syracuse. Sorry, I'm decommitting going to Kentucky. Like, can you really call him a traitor? I mean, we it's all— the same thing as Jordan Tucker, Right, too. we all—and I think it's just kind of harsh to single out these kids and say they're traitors and we don't want them. Like, he chose to go to Kentucky. He was a high school kid. He maybe made the wrong decision at the time, and now he might want to yeah, come if you're back. T- if you're telling me that you didn't make bad decisions in right, high school, yeah. the, the, then I don't even know. I don't—like, you yeah. did. <laughs> you <laughs> exactly. Did. 
I mean, look, I don't think he's coming to Syracuse. I think if anything, like you said, he's probably going to Washington. That'd be my pick, but they should welcome him with open arms if they can get him. All right, coming up next, we'll read your responses to the Quad A Green situation going on right Time to wrap things up here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard got you for a couple more minutes. Let's get to Fizz feedback here. I think this is the big question right now. Or maybe not the biggest question, but it, it, this may be the most voted on poll in yeah. Fizz history. And it's dead even, And right? it is dead even. That's crazy. So we got we put out the question, now that Quad A Green is officially transferring, should Syracuse try to get him again? Comment with your reasoning. 50.1% of the vote <laughs> has it at no. 49.9 say yes, I do want a five-star recruit on my team. Now, let, let's just get to some of these responses. The first one is, is comes from Jason Clark. He says, we'll end up at Washington with Hop. That's kind of my premonition yeah, as well. Same. Um, next up, from Dennis Sugrit, Sugru. Yeah, we're just going to I'm just going to botch all these but... names. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> they, don't put, the... they don't put pronouncers on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need him, and he may have similar issues at Q's. I mean, I take him. Like, I, it's it's worth the gamble for me. It's right. it's not like in the NBA where you you're just gonna burn money. Right. You burn a scholarship for what one or two years. So right. I mean, Tim Premo. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. He says, "Why is this even a hypothetical question? Any smart person would say no, and it's not even a realistic option." We're already very guard heavy next year as it is. There is no... just, it's a five star guy. Yeah. Like you take five star guys. Yeah. If he's interested, I don't care. Like you make you at it least work. entertain the offer and, and right. try to figure it out and make it work. Are because they really that are, guard heavy? Are you too? telling me that Quad A Green is not better than every single player on the Syracuse roster? I mean, right now, if if Quad A Green was on this team, I would say there are two players that you could make a strong case that no doubt in your mind that they are better than Quad A Green. I'd say the big three being Hughes, Brissett, and Battle mm-hmm. would all probably be better than him, and it would take him some time to adjust, so you factor that right. in. But, I mean, the way Look Frank's at next playing— year, next year's probable roster. How many players could you say, oh, absolutely, they are better than— Well, if Brissett doesn't come back— If Brissett back, doesn't come back, it's probably just Hughes that you could say that right. about. Maybe Jalen Carey if he kind of continues to trend up, but— Look, like he's a five-star dude. You yeah. want those guys? I can't believe this poll was dead even. I, I, I mean, I'm surprised too. I thought no was going to win out because I thought there'd be a lot of bad blood. Yeah, still. and there probably is some of that, which is unfair. And we've talked about this a little bit, but Let, let's get to some of the positive yeah. responses here. Uh, first one's coming from Brian from the Cuse. He says, "Yes, he'd be a change agent when he subs for Jalen Carey." Right. Another from Alfred Swerdowski. He says, "Can never have enough guards in this day and age." Completely. And agree. I think this is the big one right here. This one comes from Nick at N Spinell Eight. What's the worst that happens? Doesn't work out, and he transfers again. Thank you, Nick. That's Thank my Someone, whole logic. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, say we say they take him in. Really, what is the worst that happens? Like, why not work take out a chance on leaves. a five-star guy? Right. You only get those opportunities every once in a while. And and this next one comes from Daniel Small. It says he is 43% from three. I take that. <laughs> That's <laughs> You're helpful. telling me you don't want that? I like I, that on my team. I got his stats up right now. He's shooting about three a game. It's, I mean, look, this kid can flat-out play. He hasn't panned out of Kentucky for X amount of reasons, but he's a five-star dude. You take those guys – 
no need to hold a grudge whatsoever. Right. And I know you recruit for system, but I, I, last response we get here before we head out of here. This one comes from Brett Barron. He says, Cuse should always be trying to upgrade talent. If he can start or improve depth while getting quality playing time, see Dion Waiters, yep. I'm all for it. No reason to hurt SU for initially being or for originally being rejected. And I mean that that's level headed yeah. between the ears right there. Right. That is a perfect response to that question because to me, th- this is a five-star guy. These guys don't come around like this very often, and they don't come crawling into your lap like this often. I mean, how many there times— There is an initial relationship. Yeah. How many times have Syracuse fans complained, wow, we need to start getting five stars again? We've lost out on recruits since we've gone to the mm-hmm. ACC. The talent pool is down. Here's an opportunity to get some talent. They, sh- they should go after him, and look, if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. I, I think he'll go to Washington, but still— All right, that's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For Tim Leonard, I'm Tyler Arthie, Syracuse and Old Dominion. Enjoy the game.